Hello, you wonderful people. Welcome back again to the Career Love Podcast. Or maybe you're joining us for the first time. And if so, I'd like to send you the biggest, warmest, huggiest welcome. Thanks for joining me. I'm so pleased you're here. This podcast has been created to help people grow meaningful and enjoyable careers. And if you've been feeling like work is a bit joyless or a bit aimless, maybe it's just kind of like fine, but you want it to be so much more than just fine, well, this podcast and the entire Career Love organization has been created just for you. Yes, little old you there with your lovely looking face and all your super amazing things you got going on over there. Welcome to our little community. Okay, so guys, don't forget, if you haven't done this already, jump on over to careerlove.org and get your scorecard to see how you're doing in the five dimensions of career fulfillment. That's going to give you some insight into the areas you can start focusing on right away to start boosting your levels of fulfillment at work so you can build the career you can truly love. Alrighty. So guys, I think you are really going to love this conversation with Dee Corcoran. Dee Corcoran is the legend behind those amazing hairstyles on the Vikings TV show over there on the History Channel. And not only that, a huge portfolio of work in showbiz. Uh, Dee's at the top of her game, at the top of the game, and has been there for a while. So we're going to hear how she did that. And we're going to hear how she did it while raising seven kids. Much of that as a single mum. And just for some extra spice, throw in a little bit of loss and grief in there as well. It's a really inspiring one, guys. I got so much out of it um, as a dad of four kids who's trying to make it in the in the world of work. Um, and there's so much more pressure on working mums to be the perfect mum and, you know, the perfect employee or the perfect entrepreneur or whatever you're going for. And so uh, I really hope you get as much as I did out of this conversation with Dee. So, uh, look, let's not uh, bugger eyes around with it. Let's just jump on in. This is going to be great. My conversation with Dee Corcoran. Here we go. Hi, Dee. Hi. Thanks so much for inviting me in to your lovely house. No problem. Uh, it's great that it's just down the road from my yeah, place. Yeah, perfect. And uh, maybe just to introduce you to the folks and how we know each other. Okay. So, my wife and your daughter have been very good friends for a very long time yeah so we met through Karami and Isolde yeah and uh, I got to know you only very briefly you know a few times but um, you know just through the place down in Britis yeah so Britis Bay uh, which is a lovely little spot um, down in the, the coast of Wicklow you've got a place down there and uh, Isolde's family as well, yeah. have a place where, where Ben and Karen we met. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And so, um, uh, yeah, it's it's been great to to get to know you in that time. And so you really jumped to mind when um, I started thinking about examples of people who have built a career for themselves that mm-hmm. um, they've thrived in, uh, are quite proud of, and has made an impact as well. So I'm delighted to be chatting to you um, oh, about your career. So thanks again. Uh, what I normally do is um, I try and find out a little bit about what your early life was like before work. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell me a bit about what life was grow- like growing up as a kid? Yeah. 
Well, I grew up in Bray, County Wicklow, where I live now. Um, I have one sister and um, I grew up with fantastic, loving parents. We had a great childhood. We, in the summer, we swam every day in the cove. We spent the whole summer in the cove, which seemed like six months. Summer seemed like six months down there. We'd get up in the mornings, we'd go down there, we'd bring our lunch and we had a great community of people down there. Um, then I went to the local school, Loretto, which I have to say wasn't, I wasn't a lover of school, but nevertheless I went. And um, my sister was prefect, which wasn't great because like I was on the other end of the scale. But anyway, um, I, I mean, I had a great childhood. I never knew how I was going to finish school till I was 18. And then everyone used to do a thing called secretarial courses whether you want to do them or not. But um, I had it in my head that I was going to be a hairdresser. Um, and when I reached 14, I don't really know how it came around. I think my mom knew somebody who was working in a hair salon who was talking one day and said, oh, they were looking for apprentices. And um, I begged her could I go? And she was really strict and said, that's ridiculous. And my good old dad said, ah, now Alice, let her go. Let her give it a try. Um, left school, I think on a Friday, started hairdressing on a Monday in that salon. Wow. And I was um, earning seven and six in shillings. And uh, oh my God, I was so happy. It was the best thing ever. Washing hair all day long, loved it. And it was a Jewish hair salon, and all the ladies used to come in and have their hair back combed, and you know, loads was of hairspray. A big Jewish community in Bray? No, no, but it was a, it, no, but it was. A, they had another salon in town. Now, why they had one in Bray, I don't know, but it was like we had a lot of Jewish uh, clients, and um, that's how I definitely learned how to back comb and hairspray. Like I think I must have swallowed a gallon of it a day. But, um, and also the man who owned it is hilarious because he'd never do it now. He used to come out once a week and all the ladies would come in to have their split end singed with a candle. So he'd run a candle up their hair. It was like medieval times. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but they loved it. Yeah. Like it was really the thing to do. Any incidents? Any no, accidents? No, no, nobody went up in flames. <laughs> Good. So tell me a little bit, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned that your sister was prefect. Yeah. And so she obviously, obviously was doing really well in school. Yes, enjoyed loved it. it yeah. Loved it, and you had the different experience. You'd, what was it about school that you didn't? Oh, I didn't. Like? I loved it. I mean, I I actually still see all my school friends. Yeah. I have a, a core group of about um, there's about ten of us, and we always get together. So it wasn't that part of school. I loved my friends. I just didn't, you know, conform to all the teaching bit and sitting there and listening, you know just didn't have the concentration for it, I guess, or the interest, yeah. you know. But it wasn't that school was dreadful, because it wasn't, we'd great crack in school, you know. I mean, we went to the nuns, can you imagine? Christ. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I have very fond memories of school, just the academic part wasn't for me, right. basically, okay. you know. And so you identified that early on for yourself, that Definitely. what they were asking of you in school, in an academic sense, either you were- Just didn't interest you, me, yeah, didn't, like, I mean, yeah. You know, I'm sure I could have I put my mind to have been clever enough to have done it all. I definitely had no intentions of doing it, you know, and I knew, I knew, honestly, the first day I started my job, this was for me. I was made up. I loved it. I loved the independence of it. And I loved what I did, you know. I mean, 
I really did love it. And you had the idea of hairdressing before you heard about the apprenticeship? Yes. What was it yeah. about hairdressing that attracted you? I don't know. I just, I just as a kid thought I was going to be a hairdresser. I mean, I used to love all those dolls. You'd pull their hair out and it got longer and longer and longer. And I'd have all hair, different hairstyles in my dolls. I just, that's what I was going to do. I mean, some, some people think they want to be actresses and other people want to be dancers. And well, I was going to be a hairdresser. That was it. Great. Yeah. And so then it came along. The yeah. apprenticeship was there. Yeah. You were introduced to the owner. Yeah, introduced to the owner. It was all very strict. It was a really strict salon. Um, I remember coming in after lunch one day. We got an hour for lunch and the... Uh, manageress, I went into the staff room and I um, brushed my hair or something and I came out and she said, please groom yourself on your own time. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> really strict. Yeah. So how many were working in the salon? There was probably about seven or eight of us. Okay, so it was big enough. Yeah, it was a big one. For, for that time it was, yeah. 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 Would there be salons that big in Bray now? Um, the only salon that would be that big probably would be, oh, well, probably Peter Mark. Or somewhere, yeah, yeah, like that, yeah. Okay, well, so small, independently owned company, yeah. but yeah. big enough to yes. hold a lot yeah, of Yeah, it was big enough for that time, wow. yeah. Fantastic. So you thrived in that environment, you loved it. Yeah, loved it. Y you loved the work itself yeah. and the people? I loved the people. It was at a time, though, when there was, um, there was like a new kind of wave of hair starting. Like there was a salon in town called the Witch's Hut that was people from Vidal that had trained in Vidal Sassoon's in London had come over, it was called Tony Rogers, the open salon, and all, anyone who was anyone went there. And it was, um, you know, it was very expensive and it was in Nassau Street. And anyway, luckily for me, two guys from there came to Bray and opened a salon. So I left the other salon I was in and I went to work for them, which I stayed there for till the end of my training. And that was really different kind of hairdressing. It was very, they were back from London. They were all cool and groovy and it was great. Um, and in fact, one of the owners I'm very, very friendly with still, you know, so that, that led to a really nice relationship. But um, when I finished my training there, I went to Vidal Sassoon's to do a finishing course in London. And that was really interesting. I mean, when I came back from there, I actually thought I was Vidal Sassoon. I was so <laughs> confident. I mean, I don't have that confidence now, but I really was. Like, I was only... I was only 17 when I finished. And, like, I was a really good... I, I will say that now. I was a really good hairdresser, you know, and I had... Um, you know, when you're young and you're interested, I came back with my hair all cropped off, dyed blue. I was like an apparition, I think, getting off the plane. <laughs> but um, it, it was just fantastic experience, you know. Okay, so I'm going to maybe dig into that a little bit because I think that's interesting for people to hear uh, because for me, in my career, that feeling of confidence, knowing that you were good at something, knowing that you had a skill set yeah. that you'd worked hard at building um, and that it was worth something and you'd put your passion and your interest, your time and energy into into building it, stepping off the plane. So t tell me a little bit more about that journey for you. So it's working with the guys, right? Yeah. Then you get a taste of the Vidal Sassoon, mm -hmm. you know, um, offering. 
Yeah. And then you go and you decide that you're going to go and do the finishing course. So tell me a little bit about that decision, because that's leaving Bray to go to London, right? Yeah, but it wasn't for that long. I mean, it was so expensive to do mm. um, that I can't remember how long I went for. Maybe it was a month or something. But in that, like when you go to Vidal Sassoon's, they are, well, were really strict. You'd have two models a day. I mean, it was really intimidating. Like, I went over on my own and, you know, I, I'm i not even sure if I was 17. I could have been 16. Like, I was very young. And um, I stayed with some friends, but it was way outside London, so I had to get the train in every day. And I hadn't a clue. I mean, I just... But anyway, when I got... Like, eventually, I made really good friends with a girl from South Africa. And they, people had come from all over the world to do these courses. But also students had particular hairstyles with names. And so you'd have to pick a model with people that would come in two a day and do these. I'll always remember there was a hairstyle called the Jago and of course the Bob was in. But you had to do them and you would spend hours and the teacher would come over every and check it. And oh my God, it was, you know, it was really tough, you right. know. So after doing that for about three or four weeks, you could not be good or else you weren't meant to be a hairdresser. Because mm. they would not let that person out of the salon until it was absolutely spot on. So those people got the best haircuts of their lives, really, you know. Um, but it was a really good, apart from being a really good course for your hair skills, it was really good for your self-esteem because you knew by the time you were finished that you were pretty good, you know, you had no choice because there was no let up with those teachers. They just were relentless. Every hair was combed and, you know, thinking, oh Christ. Was but there ever a moment where you felt like you weren't up to it or you might not meet the standard or? No. You, you had an, enough confidence in yourself to know that you I were I mean, not that I, I, I remember the first morning. I do remember the first morning in there. I could even tell you what the room looked like, but I felt totally intimidated. I was a kid coming from Ireland, you know, I didn't have all the groovy clothes and have, you know, I did feel that, but by the end of the week, I didn't feel that. I was never going to go home and not be able to do that course, no, or finish it, no, no way. Like, and I did make friends very quickly, but if you were struggling whether you'd picked the right career or not, you would have left, mm. you know. No, I never felt that I so wasn't was ever going to do it. So that was the test to know if you were going to yeah, continue exactly. on and, and, and do hairdressing and be, yeah. you know. So that's great though, isn't it? Like, yeah. Again, that's the thing I think that a lot of people, uh, particularly these days, feel is missing, is that sense that you're in your element, you're doing the thing that you're best suited to doing. Yeah. And it sounds like you felt that, particularly coming yeah. out of it. Yeah. Okay. And so coming out of it then and stepping back in to the Irish scene, but you're back in Bray then at that stage? Yeah, yeah. So what was it like to have that power of really strong training and the confidence? What did that do for you? Well, I came back to the salon then where I worked and um, I guess I probably should have been in Dublin because I had all these amazing hairstyles in my head and I didn't get to use them as much as I'd like to have, you know. I, so I, I did feel, after a couple of months, a little deflated in a way, you know. Um, but then I opened my own salon. And 
I felt completely better. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if that was, well, it was the right thing to do because I did really well, you know, at it. Um, but if I had to come home from Delta Soons and gone to, into town, I think it probably would have been better, you know, because yeah. I would have been able to use my creativity a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but I opened uh, Salon and Bray and that was great. I was busy all the time. And then I opened another one um, in Bray and that was thriving. But just when I opened the second one was when they were making Excalibur up in Ardmore. And I hadn't, to be honest with you, I'd never thought of being working in film, mm. really. But um, I was friendly with the makeup artist, uh, an older lady. I had gone to school with her kids, actually. And I'd gone to school with John Borman's kids, with Talsh and Katrina. But I didn't, I didn't even think about looking for work up there. I wasn't really that interested. In anyway, she used to come in to me to have her hair done. And one day she brought down um, Sherry Lonely, who was an actress, to have her hair done. And then they came down, they asked me would I come up and help them. And I thought, oh, sure, yeah, I'll go up and see what it's like. And um, I went up and they were doing one of the big scenes at the round table. And I went up and my, I, I definitely remember I had a pink, a pink high heels and a pink dress. I was the most out of place person on the set. I was crippled by the time I got home and I looked ridiculous. But um, then I went to work full time in it. And, uh, I left my salon, I had about five girls working for me, um, went and worked up there for, God, I think that went on for months and months and months, and I just loved it. I mean, I didn't ever want to go back to the salon, you right. know. And then uh, I went off to LA for a little while, and um, I was very friendly to makeup artists. I went off there, and I worked in a film on Dallas, in Dallas, kind of, by chance, you know, um, he was working there, doing makeup, and I went. Um, Tatum O'Neill was working on it because I wasn't meant to be working in America, you know. So I nice. was just working, helping out, and um, then I came home and I got a job as an assistant on Education Rita, and then I got. I think I don't know what my next job was after that, but it just. You know, we didn't have as many films as in Ireland then as we do now. Like you could now, well, I know because I'm on a, kind of at the top of my career. Possibly, I can have a choice of films and or work. You know, mm. I'm lucky, and I don't ever take that for granted. But I am lucky. But um, I went off to Morocco in a film, and um, that was an amazing experience with Danny DeVito and Michael Douglas and what was Kathleen the film? Turner. Uh, Jewel of the Nile. Yeah. Great sick. Yeah, it is great. And it's one you could watch over and over again. It's fantastic. Um, so that was another experience because I was working with crews from all over the world. And uh, then, I mean, I've done, I mean, do you want me to name some well, pictures? Well, do you know what I want to like, do actually yeah. is go back a little bit? Because I think we might have skipped over something that is important yeah. in your oh. career story. And that is your decision to go out on your own and set up your own salon and be self-employed. Oh, yeah. So, before we get too deep into the film, film stuff, yeah. tell me a little bit about that. So, you've come back, you've got the training. Yes. You're feeling a little bit like you've got all this talent and skills, yeah. but, but you're not able to put it to best use. So, yeah. tell me then how that leads into um, you deciding to set up your own Yeah. Salon. Well, to, 
probably like me feeling like that was because I was so young as well. And when you're young, you're eager to do lots of things, and you you know you don't you don't have the patience to wait and be you know calm about things. So, um, I thought, oh, I'll open my own salon. And I'll what age were you when you? I think I was seventeen. Seventeen, opening yeah. up your own yeah. business. My dad gave me the money to open up, but I mean, it was only the first one was a very small shop. It's just mm. myself and uh, two other girls there, and um, but we were really busy with a great little shop. It was great, and I liked being my own boss, you know. Um, and then we got a bigger shop, and opened that, and then there was I don't know my probably six or eight girls working like juniors and stylists um, and we were really busy like it was so you'd grown your business into the same size as the one that you had started yeah. in and so and in what space of time so you're you're 17 I you then the was um, 17 so I was then about 20 yeah. yeah so in a few short years so wait a second age 14 you yeah. finish up school and you go into your apprenticeship mm -hmm. Age 17, you've already started up your own Yeah, I salon. went to London, came back and, yeah. yeah. And then by 20, you've, you are now running the same size business as the one that you did your apprenticeship in. Yeah. So I'm interested in the mindset that it takes to, to make the decision to do that, to feel like you can pull it off and then to yeah. actually pull it off. And when you compare that to other girls cutting hair mm. around Bray, because not everyone, I don't think, would have had the confidence, the mindset and yeah. everything to do it. So I what, don't think I think actually, I don't think Rob, I actually thought it would never be okay. You know what I mean? I just thought it was the thing to do and never thought, you know, I remember borrowing the first little salon I opened, I borrowed 850 pounds off my dad. That's what it cost actually to mm. set it up, and I paid it all back. And um, I just never thought, and not that I was, you know, I wasn't overly confident and cocky and all the rest. I was confident in my work, but I just never thought I that it would never work. I was never afraid of that, mm. you know. Hi gang, just a quick break here to talk about the five dimensions of career fulfillment and where they came from. So in our first ever research study, which was at the beginning of 2020, just before we got our lives turned all upside down by COVID, we uncovered these five dimensions of career fulfillment. These are the things that people who scored highest for career fulfillment focus on when it comes to developing their careers. And let me tell you what they are, okay? So the first one, fun. Pretty self-explanatory, work should be fun. Even if you don't have what you might describe as a fun job, you still do things every day to cultivate a sense of fun in your work. Second, adaptive. Adaptive careers are flexible. They adapt when you need them to. This means having more control over when and where and how you work. So that when your personal priorities change, you don't feel trapped in a situation that no longer works for you because of your job. Thirdly, transformative. As we say here at Career Love, no one starts their career in their prime. To develop the skills, attributes and qualities that you're going to need to fully reach your potential, that requires personal transformation. And using your career as a platform to test and challenge yourself to build resilience 
and develop finely tuned skills is what transformative careers are all about. Next, social. Social is all about harnessing the power of social connections at work. We all know about those happiness studies that tell us belonging to a community, having close friendships and family connections that help us feel supported and valued are vital. And this is most certainly true for happiness at work as well. And then lastly, meaningful. Knowing that your work has some value, that it has a positive impact on people's lives in a way that makes you feel good. Meaningful is also about finding a connection between the work you do and your unique set of strengths and capabilities. I like to describe meaningful careers as a truly great fit. And if you have ever had an outfit that felt super comfortable while also making you look your best, you know, drawing attention away from those non-flattering bits and highlighting all your best parts, you know what I'm banging on about. Okay, so if you want to see how you are scoring in each of these five areas, to find out which one to start working on first, jump on over to careerlove.org and take the assessment. It goes for about five, maybe eight minutes. And if you find the scorecard helpful and fancy getting some tailored recommendations on what to do next, you can request your free playbook and we'll email it to you. And I'm going to say this again, guys. When I say it's free, it's 100% totally free. You don't have to submit your email address to get the scorecard. You can just get it. You can just have it, okay? Um, and we won't spam you with a whole bunch of stuff. If you want your playbook, well, we have to email that to you, so you, you need to give up your email address for that one. But once again, there's no, there's no follow-up emails to say, hey, remember us? You gave us your email there, and we're going to just keep sending you messages that you didn't expect you were going to get. It's not what we do here. So um, listen, it's there for you. Uh, we want you to have a great career. You deserve to love what you do. And that's what we're all about here. Okay, back to the interview. What was Ireland like at that time? Money-wise, you mean? Or I just like mean, like, what What was the... Yeah, like, what was the economy doing? What yeah, was, well, I guess see, I grew up in Bray, so I knew a lot of people. Yeah. And, like, you know, a lot of friends, a lot of... You know, and I had uh, the salon, like I was a good hairdresser and I had good people working for me. So obviously if, you're, if you've got a good product, people will come, mm. you know. Um, so that was really good. I mean, probably the salon didn't do so well when I wasn't there. Mm. That wasn't great. Well, you can't have it every which way, can you? That's you know what I mean? That was a decision I had made. And, you know, I had then went off to L.A. and then came back and then went to Ardmore. So it was like... When you have a hair salon and you have other people running it, it'll only do so well mm. without you being there, you yeah. know. But I had, you know, when I did start doing films, and I, that's definitely something, it's a whole different aspect of hairdressing, totally different world. Yeah, and so you know? you've, so then again, there's more, there's more in the story because having built yourself a successful small business, right, with a team of people under you and running a a nice little shop in in Bray. Yeah. You, there's another, I don't know if if it's confidence again or or what is it to say I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this new thing that's sitting in front of me and go after that. 
Yeah, I mean, when I went to the studio, though, I was completely bottom of the ladder. Like, you don't walk in there, you know, they have, like, in hair and makeup, they'd have trainees and they'd have assistants and they'd have head of departments. Yeah. So I was right down the bottom. But to me, I didn't care. You know, I was fascinated by it all. And it was totally different. Like, I was a great hair cutter. Haircuts didn't really come into it. And then I was like doing wigs, which that's a whole different ball game again. You know, um, creating looks that you really would, you'd have to be creative to do because it's not just a basic thing. Someone comes in and gets their hair cut and goes, you know. So I knew when I went up there that I had a whole different set of skills to learn. It was like starting off again, actually. But I guess being so young, that was fine. You know what I mean? And um, I was totally fascinated with it all, you know. And not jumping too much into film, but film is very hard work. And unless you're actually really deadly interested in it, you might as well forget it because it's just too hard, you know. Okay. And you have too much to learn. And you really do have to go back into being a trainee, you know. And so you were willing to do that, start again at the very bottom and work your way through yeah. and, and just see what it brought you? Yeah. Because you were fascinated in the work. Yeah. And I, or I think I earned £30 a day up there, which actually wasn't bad at that time, I suppose. But, like, I could, well, the same now when I'm in work, but I mean, obviously not at £30 a day, but mm. I mean... Uh, you know, I could go to work at five o'clock in the morning and come home at nine o'clock at night. Wow. And with no lunch break, you know, you'd eat your lunch on the, on the trot. So it's long hours. I mean, it's a whole different career, which you're very well paid for, but you actually put your life on hold for that time. Hmm. You do it, you know. Well, wow. and so you obviously found something in that environment. You mentioned, you know, learning new sets of skills. Yeah. You mentioned you were fascinated by it. So yeah. so there was something in that opportunity for you that drew you in yeah. and you were more than happy to let the salon go yeah, I to, to pursue that, even yeah. though it was starting at, at yeah. the bottom, even though the hours were crazy, even though you were yeah. kind of giving your life to it. Um, so again, I think that is something that people are interested to hear about, right? Is yeah. that, because I think these days, once you reach a certain level and the money's coming in and you've kind of got yourself on your feet and your life is sorted out, then every then the next thing is a risk decision. Mm. Am I going to take the risk, you know, to to go down a particular pathway? And then people use different um, decision-making processes. And often what's missed is... Do I, will I enjoy the work? Do I find the work, you know, inspiring? Yeah. And it sounds like that was a big part of it for you. So following that inspiration around um, the, the work itself was a big driver for you. Yeah, and I think too, like every, every film that you would do, it, it's different. So you're, you're learning different skills. You know, and every head of department you work with is different. Like we'd have people coming in from England, from America, from... So you get to work with different people and everybody works differently. So it was very challenging also because, 
you know, you gel with some people better than you would with other hairdressers. And um, I mean, I remember a particular set of hair and makeup people coming over and oh my God, they made the Irish girls' lives misery. Like they were just, it was really awful. But in the end, they ended up getting fired. Like it's so funny how things work around, you know. And you know, so, so you have to be interested to stick with that because it's so easy to say, oh, I can't be bothered with this, you know. But I mean, um, there's just so much, every job you do in film is different. And for me, I was ready to take that on. And I mean, I mightn't have known that at the time, but obviously I was because I'm still doing it, you know. Um, but I definitely saw something that really, you know, made me get up at that hour of the morning every day and come home at whatever hour. I mean, you wouldn't see your family, you wouldn't see your friends. So it's a huge commitment. But I do believe if you're, you know, if you if you're truly interested in something, you will succeed and be very good at it. You know. Yeah, yeah, that is a a big um, part of the message, I guess, from Career Love, which is what we're doing. Yeah, is you know, imagine yourself in in those days of five in the morning till nine p.m. and you didn't really enjoy what you were doing. You'd give it up. Yeah, and, and lots of people do. Yeah. Because at this stage of my career, I have lots of people under me, lots of people work with me, and I'd know after two weeks if they were going to stick it or not, mm. you know. Um, and I, I don't blame them. Like I'd say, this isn't for everyone, you, you know. Yeah. And. So how long have you been working in film and TV then? Um, 20, about... Since well, I started in twenty one when I was twenty one, and I'm now it's nearly sixty. Right, it's many years. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. in that time, right, when you say that you give your life to it, all the hours that you're working, mm -hmm. but in that time, you've had your own family. I've had a very big family. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really interested to hear about that juggling act. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that so you're you're in the game now so you've done you you started off with Excalibur yeah any any babies at that stage no not on my f I think on education reach I was expecting Karami so that was my first baby and I was probably about 25 mm -hmm. and um, so I had Karami and I had all my babies quite quickly actually so, uh, you know, close together, sorry. And um, I actually don't know when I look back on it, I, and I really mean that, seven kids. I mean, I'd, I actually had seven children and Karami was eight, so she was the eldest. Eight with seven under, I mean, six under. I don't know how I worked, actually. I really don't. I mean, I remember every night leaving all their lunches out for school, leaving all their clothes out, and I'd go to work at like five o'clock or six o'clock coming home, doing the same thing all over again. Like, I have to say, that was no joy. But the great joy is now that I still have my career, you know. And I worked all the way through. Yes, I might have worked less at some particular times, but I still kept my job, you know. I mean, that's a very hard thing to do for any mom. I think it's harder now even, I, I don't know, but I had great backup with my parents and, um, I just think juggling all of that is really hard. I don't think there's any easy way of that, actually. I think you can just do the best you can do yeah. and hope for the best, 
you know. It's astounding to me, right? And yeah. I think... Well, I, I think that too when I look back on it, Rob, actually, but at the time it was just to do it, get it done, and I don't know, you know. Yeah, I think there are women listening to you tell this story who would be inspired by that for sure, right? To know that it's possible to... Not easy, but possible. No, yes, yeah. well, yeah. of course, yeah. right? And that's an important message, yeah. right? That if, but the fact that it is, it can be done and you can, you know, keep your, your kids and your family, yeah. you know, close and still hang on to your career. And, and like you say, it's not, there are some periods where you dial it down yeah. and there's other periods then when you dial yeah. it up and the whole time you're just giving your best to, yeah. to both worlds. I mean, who knows what the kids thought of that. <laughs> Jesus. But you know what you do, what you do, you do what you have to do and they all survive. They're all great kids yeah. and they all have their own jobs and good careers and kids. So, you know, yeah, and look, what I know of, yeah. of your kids, they're, they are, they're, yeah. they're great. N yeah. None of them ever talk about, you know. Dreadful child, my mother yeah, was never exactly, there. that's right. Yeah. So, so you've managed to, to grow a fantastic family. Yeah. Um, a great loving family and achieve great things in your career. Yeah. Like you say, it's not easy, right? And so I, what I'd be really interested in hearing from you is... Like, how, you know, I mean, to ask how did you do it, right? That, that's that's mm. probably an impossible thing to answer. But can you give us some insight or some descriptions of whether it was like the worst day or the best day or like little decisions that you have to make throughout the day to try and balance it all? Oh, God, I made loads of decisions. I mean, I had some of the drivers from work going to pick up my kids from school when I was desperate. I had, you know... I don't know how many, I, I did have my parents, but obviously they couldn't mind the kids all the time. So I had various, um, not nannies, because you couldn't afford nannies as such, you know, au pairs, which mostly were disasters. But I mean, you know, I had um, a really good person that we called our auntie, which wasn't our auntie, just a really good friend, and she would mind them. And none of that was easy, because every day you were planning stuff, because obviously with seven kids, there was activities after school, so they all had to go there, they all had to be collected. Um, I won't say any of that was easy, it, it, it definitely wasn't, you know, and I mean, you just did it, I guess, it was just to get through it, like, the, the longest job I probably would have had then was about three months at a time, you know, so once you could kind of organise that three months and get through it, and then at the end I'd just say, oh, thank God, you know. But there was no easy way to that, I don't think, you know. Yeah. But it's it's definitely, you know, worth doing if it's going to hold on to your career and it's something that you want to do. I think it's possible to do it. It's just that I think maybe nowadays, you know, Maybe maybe years ago it was harder to accumulate money and maybe we had to work as well as, you know, like, I, I, I really don't know. I just think it's harder nowadays. But I think if you put your mind to it, if you're a good organiser, if you can get a couple of people to rally around, you'll do it, you know. Would you say you were a good organiser before the kids came along and you had to work or did you become... No, yeah. I wouldn't. I'd say I'd probably be... Became. became it, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I find that for myself. Yeah, so I we so. like we have 
friends who look at us with three kids going, yeah. my goodness, what are you doing yeah. to yourselves? Yeah, you know? exactly. So I, can, I cannot fathom seven kids. Right? And it's funny because I only had one sister who has no children. And um, but at the time it kind of didn't seem like that. I know there was loads, but it didn't seem like it was mental. Well, it was probably a mental household, but it was a good household. You know what I mean? It didn't seem like... I kind of forget I had seven kids, you know what I mean? I don't know, but when you're in the middle of it, like, you just do it, don't you? Like yourself, you yeah. just do it, you just manage. Yeah, and so then the kids start to get a little bit older. Does that get easier at any mm. point or no? A little bit, some little hairy moments <laughs> along the way. Yeah, not really, no, there's a few hairy moments. <laughs> I won't mention which ones, but they know who they are. <laughs> um, well, you, you go into, you know, teenage years and yeah. all hell breaks loose. But that, I remember one of my kids thinking, oh my God, if I get her till she's 18, it'll be fine. Like, she was a devil. But now she's a fantastic mother, you know, so you just get through it. You just have to hang on in there. Yeah. You know. Tell me, talk us through the kids. So, Karami's first? Karami's first. Karami's the eldest. And I think she's probably about 35, somewhere around there anyway. Um, Kylie is 34, Scott is 33, um, Cash is, she'll kill me now, probably around 30, maybe 31, but they're kind of all steps and stairs, then Nisha's 29, 28, the twins are 27, um, and Scott's in Australia working and has a very successful career. Karami is minding your babies and is a very successful mother. Kylie's a teacher and Nisha has a job. Kasha has two children with special needs, so she's a full-time mom. And uh, Greg is in HR. Shelley is heading out to Australia. So they've all got their lives going on, you know. Yeah. They're all doing okay. We kind of just lightly skipped over the fact that there were twins in there oh twins yeah twins that was the, that was the last um lot yeah yeah so what were you working on when you oh, were expecting God. twins um what was i working on i don't know i can't remember but actually you know i actually had triplets they my twins were triplets and uh i remember I didn't even know, like, I, uh, yeah, I knew I was pregnant, but I'd had so many babies that I didn't go to the doctor for ages. I thought, oh, yeah, they're fine. I'd had great pregnancies, they're all fine. And I remember going into the doctor and he said, um, no, no, I think you're five months pregnant. I said, no, I'm not five months pregnant. No, I think you are. Okay, I said, okay, grand. So then I went again and I had a scan. He said, oh, well, we have two here. I said, Jesus Christ, because <laughs> I had five little ones at home. Then I went for another scan. Actually, we have three. And that was like, oh my God. But then I had them very early and lost one. But um, when the twins came home, they were they were actually born in April and they weren't due till July. So they were very mm. premature. And uh, well, they didn't come home from hospital for two months, but it was bedlam. It was just chaotic. But I still went to work. I was working on commercials then actually. Okay, so and those I still, yeah, TV I, commercials. Yeah, t I took time off to, and just did that. But it, that was a hectic time, it's, you know, no sleep. I can't imagine. Yeah. So, because not only do you have your fifth and sixth, is it? 
no. Um, no. Sixth and seventh. Yeah. Sorry, my maths is yeah. failing me there. Si- sixth and seventh. Yeah. And and so you're they're at home. They're premature, so they've yeah. been in hospital. Mm-hmm. So you're like anyone dealing with that today, on its own, is struggling, right? Yeah. You've also got the loss of a baby that never arrived. Mm. And so you kind of stack that on top of the other stresses and things that are going yeah, on. Yeah, it was, it was a, it, that was a very difficult time and it was, um, yeah, it was very difficult. And then my, which they say happens, my marriage broke up then and, um, you know, it was, it was just hectic. But you know, I had really good parents and they were, for my, for my kids, they were, I think if people have really good grandparents, they have great confidence in themselves. You know what I mean? It gives them confidence. And um, I remember with the twins, when they were home, I had, an, I had gotten some commercials, which at then were really good money, but they weren't long, so you could do a few days and make, you know, a good bit of money and whatever. I had night nurses that would come in for the night to stay awake with the babies to feed them. But it was constant, like it was just, I don't think I slept for years. Like it was just, the lack of sleep was huge. But then that all passes, you know what I mean? You just, yeah. time goes by and everything works out. Gang, another quick break. Here to mention our social mission, A Career Love. We want to help as many people as possible. Avoid careers that feel like they're draining your energy and holding you back from a well-lived life and create careers that give you energy and help you thrive. We think that for this to be the norm rather than the exception, there are some very important structural changes needed in the way we approach work as a society. And so, as well as helping people get their hands on good quality information, we aim to highlight the ways in which the current system is broken and to change the game so that more and more people can love what they do. And I wanted to ask for your help. There are a couple of key things that you can do to help us out that just take a couple of moments and they don't cost any money. Right now, the things we are focused on are improving the tools and growing our audience. So, if you could share your experience with us and tell us how we can improve our scorecard and our playbook and make them more useful, work better for you, I'd love to get a message from you via our website. There's a contact form at the bottom of the homepage at careerlove.org or you can go to any of our social pages. I recommend LinkedIn and just send us a direct message and tell us what you think. User experience feedback is the very best way for us to make sure we are producing content and tools that really help people in a positive way. So we'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas. And... To help us grow our audience, you can do any of these things. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Kind and positive reviews are very, very helpful. You can subscribe to the podcast and also follow us on our social pages. We are most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. And you can tell your friends and family about what we're up to. If you know someone who could benefit from what we're doing, let them know about us. Okay, guys, that's it. Back to the interview. Okay, so then you've got 
now seven kids. Yeah. And what, what after the commercials, what's, what's happening then, work-wise? Then I think I went back to film, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Do you remember what the next film was after commercials? I mean, I, I don't know what stages they came in, but I did... Um, I did a, like one of my most memorable pictures would have been Michael Collins with Liam Neeson and Julia Roberts. That was fant- I loved that period. I loved the whole story of Irish history, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. I loved the hairstyles. It was fantastic. Actually, I was watching something on TV last night about the um, um, the Irish Rising, and it reminded me of those times. Um, so. I don't know where that came in. I don't know what age the kids were then. Has a lot of your work been period style stuff? A lot of work, yeah, period. I mean, that's the nicest, for me, that would be the nicest job to do, you yeah. know. Yeah, and so then these days, you know, it's even further back in time, right? Yeah. And so you're, I'm, I'm interested now to talk about where your inspiration comes from in the work that you do. Inspiration. Well, the last, you know, six years I've been working on Vikings and we, when we started that off, that was, um, we had a a Finnish director in called Johan Rennick and he was a very cool, hipped guy. He'd done, he does amazing um, videos, you know, um, anyway. We had him in, but we, because there was no reference for Vikings, so we had to come up with stuff. And you have to, so when we start, we have to do mood boards, show them to the director, and he'll say if he likes them or doesn't like them. And Karami helps me with those a lot. Um, so he was fantastic because he said, you know, push the boat out, show me, don't be afraid, show me anything, which we did. And as you can see, Vikings hairstyles have we've won many awards. We've been nominated for three Emmys. We've I've won a Guild Award, which we're nominated for next month, uh, this month as well which is a huge privilege because it's your peers in America and all over the world nominate you, you know. It's actually better than the Emmys, you know. Yeah, the response and the, the impact that that work has had is, yeah. is amazing. So, you know, not, not just for, for film, yeah. but then people have taken it out of film and brought it into their own lives and are, they are have, u- yeah. using some of those yeah. styles. Yeah, I mean, those braids that we did are... They were huge, huge, you know, um, and but that's something that just evolved. It was never like who knew in the first year of Vikings it was going to go on for six years or be such a success or we were going to be such a success, you know, and that's all teamwork. I have a great team that work with me and I wouldn't be able to do that without them, but they've worked with me for a long time. They know exactly how I work and um, you know, if I'm ever put up for nomination, I will always nominate them as well. And uh, that just, like, the hairstyles just evolved from something. We just tried one thing and that kind of, when I do my work, I I start with something and not really know how it's going to finish. It just happens as it goes along for me. You know, other people work differently. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's great to say that after starting off at first, 14 raising all my children and now I I guess at this age and if I wasn't I might as well give up I'm at the top of my game you know um 
so it's all very rewarding. So that's why I say if you can hang on to your career when you have your kids, do. Because you come out the other side. Now I meant to live on my own, but Shelley's moved back in. But anyway, <laughs> you know, you have the joy of doing what you want. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I think that, again, is, a, is another really great insight, particularly for women who are in their career now. And, and if they are, you know, they have a young family. Yeah. And I, I know... You know, the experience for, for many women is that they can feel like they're losing ground, I guess. Yeah. Their career is, is kind of moving, they're moving away from them. And it can feel a little bit daunting to try and capture it back again once yeah. the... Once I think it probably is, because I think it's probably slightly harder in this day and age. But I mean, I think for themselves, it's really worth trying to hold on to if you can. I know it's sometimes easier said than done because people don't always have family that can help out or, you know. Um, my one advice on on childminders is if you get a childminder, really look after them. That would be my one thing, you know, about that. But um, it is hard, but I think you can do it. If you're a strong person, you can definitely do it because you can do anything you want. I do believe that, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's an amazing example for, for people to look at to have gone through everything that you've gone through, achieved what you've achieved, not just, you know, in film, but to set up your own salon and and a second one by age 20, I think, is, is inspiring for many people, you know. Yeah. Then to, um, to be balancing and doing the juggling act with one and then two and then three and then a fourth and then a fifth and then six and seven. I think people who are listening to think she's completely nuts. <laughs> anyway. Well, you, you may need to be a little bit yeah, exactly. nuts, but yeah. um, to have to, to have done all that and then, like you say, you come out the other side and be a bit more in control of your career again after, after the kids... And to be still striving and, like you say, be looking to be at the top of your game. And I think that, for me, so I, I don't have to worry about the experience that women today have to worry about when it yeah. to, comes to returning to, to their career. But what is really fascinating to me is to meet someone who is still looking to be at the top of their game, you know, all the way through and not be dropping and relaxing and taking a back seat and going, oh... Someone else can yeah. can come up with the next best amazing idea next time. You you're still interested. Well, you wouldn't in get work. back in there then. Mm. That would be be gone. There's so there's some. Is there yeah. some pressure there? And, I, and when I say pressure, I don't mean. It, sometimes that can be internal. Yeah. Like if if it keeps you on your toes, I guess is what I mean. Yeah, it does keep you on your toes. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think, but also now I would ever, never do projects that I I would get offered jobs that I don't do. Because I don't, I don't want to do them for whatever reason that the period they are, where they are, whatever, and that's great. So I only do the jobs I want to do. Now they might not always turn out fabulously, but that's a chance you take. You know, you yeah. start off mostly; they're all fantastic. Um, so you know, I have got to that stage. But I mean, I've done jobs I hate it as well. You know, but you stick in, you stick to the end of it. You know, and then you'll move on to something lovely. So it's. It's just a per perseverance, I guess, as well. And, um, you know, 
believing in yourself that you'll get through it and, and, and something better will be for the next job, you know. Yeah. Tell me about your team. Is are you are you passing on what you've learned to yeah, members of your absolutely, team? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I mean I would have I have two people that work with me at the moment that will always come to me like when we go to Budapest now. Um I have said I you know, not that I won't go without them, but this I want them to come with me and they will come, hopefully. Um not hopefully, I mean if everything goes ahead they will come. And they have worked with me right from the very beginning. Like Zuliga was with me from the beginning of um Viking, so that's six years. Um and Peter and then I'd have other people I'd have but they were my main team and they have learnt everything from me. They do they're just amazing. That's really important as well if you if you're, you know, head of of a production that you have people that absolutely have your back and will do the work the way you want to do it. Not that you tell them to do because I don't. They know exactly what to do now and otherwise it would all look the same. They use their own creativity, you know, um, and I would take them everywhere with me. Yeah, so that's another part of it, I think, that is worth drawing out a little bit when we have this conversation is the other skill sets. So hairstyling is is one thing and you've mm -hmm. proven obviously to the world that that you're you know you're great you, you know at doing that but in order to be effective there's leadership yeah which is very it's 75 percent of your job to right most. definitely in film anyway to be able to delegate and be a good delegator and i mean you have to keep it in budget for its production you have to i mean i sometimes i'd have but 16 people under me, you know, keep them all happy without killing each other, you know, um, there's a lot of that actually and to, it's really important to be a good delegator because you can be good at your job but if you can't delegate and be a good, you know, team leader, it's, you can't be out of department then. You know. Yeah, well, I think you probably are not going to see the types of results that you've seen, particularly with the yeah. response to the work. Um, that that Vikings has got, and yeah. and you know it doesn't necessarily have to be even as as large as that. Just to be able to be offered the next the next job, yeah. You know, um, well they all say that in film. You're only as good as your last job, and actually it's probably true. You know. Yeah, and so to be able to um, build a team and you know a culture within that team where everyone has each other's back, and yeah. you're. I'm I'm really imagining, trying to imagine what it's like when you're in the work. So tell us about those long days then. So you're you've shown up, you're at the studio. You're at the studio. You're usually in like about twenty minutes before your actor would be in. So everything is left ready from the night before. Your continuity is out. So you know exactly what you're doing. They'd come in. You know tired or not tired or usually tired <laughs> um, and you'd start on their hair they'd have their breakfast in the meantime while they're doing their hair um, it could take anything from depending if it's a man or a woman long short hair from 15 minutes to an hour and a half mm. you know um, and within that time then you get to know your actors really well like you know you spend so many hours together um, 
But some you wouldn't always be in the studio, so sometimes you could be out in the fray head, freezing cold. Um, you know, you'd have your hair bus, and days like that can be really miserable. So if you're in, if you're in the studio, it's kind of nice and contained. If you're out in location, you're you know you're with the elements. It's usually lashing rain here in the winter, so you have to be really careful that they don't get soaking wet and your whole hairstyle is, dest your hairstyle is destroyed. <laughs> you know, it's a big deal, you yeah. know. Your days can be long and cold and wet and so when you do their hair, you go on to mind their hairstyle style for the day, but they could change scenes, so you change the hairstyles. So there's a lot involved, you know. Yeah, and so you've got to keep your team switched on. Like there's a yeah. attention to detail yeah, piece in absolutely, there. absolutely, yeah. Like you mentioned continuity, so that yeah. you've got to keep it, yeah. you know. Uh, keep it going so that it doesn't look strange yeah. when it when it comes out on. Yeah. Uh, and so, how do you keep people focused? I suppose I don't know to be honest with you. I mean that's a hard one because you know you especially in the winter when you're outside you'll see that they're down and out. You know that happens to everyone. It's human nature. But I don't know. We just keep each other going. You know. Or if you see, like I'd know if, I, if I'd see one of them not having a great day and I'd say to them, look, you know, go and have a rest, take a few hours off, go and have a sleep and come back, you know, because it's hard, it's very hard. Is that ability to read people in that way yeah. something that you think is a, a strong suit of yours? Yeah, you I, it is. But, and, they, and they'll always say that to me, thank you so much. Cause I, and I'm not just saying that about myself, but a lot of heads of departments wouldn't do that. But there's no point, I can see them, you know, and I trust them that, that they are tired. It's not from being out drinking, it's not, you know, they're just tired from doing it every day. And at the same time, I'd say to them, I'm really tired, I'm going to get into my car for a few hours. And they would be completely there. It's all about give and take. That's the whole thing, you know. I have learned that it's really, really important to look after the people that work with you, you know. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate them, and I know they appreciate me, and it's that's really important, actually. I think, you know, it gets you a long way, you know. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. I mean, the that skill set, that ability to not just read people but respond in the right way in the right moment, that is, you know, it's it's a skill gap everywhere. Yeah. You know, it it's um, yeah, it's something that every company and every business or you know yeah everywhere in the world is looking for for that type of skill yeah. now and you know when when i'm talking about career and we talk about what's coming down the road in terms of the future you know with uh, with artificial intelligence and mm -hmm. and and the like automation those human skills you know become so much more important yeah um but the other thing is recognizing it as a strength and using it to to best effect um so listen, congratulations on an amazing <laughs> career. <laughs> Tell me what is, what do you see coming next after Vikings? Well, Vikings is finished apparently now, which is a good thing. We move on to something else. So we're going to do a really interesting job in Budapest, I think in June. And um, it's a whole different deal. It's sci-fi, so it'll be totally different. Yeah. I don't know, different. <laughs> is it a series like Vikings or is it a film on its own? It's a game actually. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't think oh. I'm allowed to say what it is. But okay. yeah. It's a game, it's huge. Yeah. It's 
huge. Okay, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to find yeah. out. Yeah. Um, so listen, that sounds fantastic. So you're so even still, you're stepping into new genres and things. You, you haven't done games before? No, never. Yeah. So that is very exciting. That's a bit terrifying as well, but it'll be fine, I'm sure. Tell me about terrifying because I'm interested to know that feeling of being slightly out of your depth. Is that something that happens to you a bit? And do you? It doesn't happen too much now, but I it will be. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to. This is a very big budget. Yeah. It's actually, it's the biggest game going. Wow. And I will work with people from all over the world, and yeah, of course it's it is daunting. I mm. mean, you know. I get the feeling that you use that. That actually Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't. I kind of once I get into it a bit, I get quite excited about it. Mm. It's just getting into it, you know. Yeah. If I think about the, if I'm looking for a pattern, if there is one, that stepping into a space where, you know, you might be slightly out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Is something that you've done a few times. Yeah. Before and yeah. it's always worked out. Yeah. So um, I would say to everybody. Don't be no, afraid to do that. Yeah, yeah like completely being not. out of it's your comfort really zone is important. It's really good to be important. out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, it's terrifying, but it's good, you know. Yeah. I mean, I did think when I took this job, or when I said yes, I would do it. Oh, God almighty, Jesus Christ. You know, but actually, it's not. It'll, it'll just be more exciting when, you know, I have never done sci-fi. So, it'll be, it'll be great, I'm sure. <laughs> Please, God. You know, it's just um, a matter of getting in there and reading the scripts and trying to get the story in your head and then you can start trying to create it, you know. Yeah. It's a bit unknown to me at the moment, but... I'm there. very excited to see what that's all about yeah. and when you're so allowed to, so <laughs> to talk a bit more about it. Well, listen, Dee, that is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Welcome. Um, it is. It's, it's incredibly inspiring. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing this back to my daughter Matilda there you day. go yeah so she can know that uh, you know she too can leave school at 14 <laughs> exactly if she wants to yeah exactly right but like I mean she's going to be from Bray as yeah, well exactly. and so there's a great example ahead of her yeah. there um, of what's possible um, so thanks again I'm so pleased that you were able to, uh, to give us some of your time I hope that'll be help to somebody yeah me too good great okay so there it is my huge thank you to Dee for giving us that amazing insight into her career and helping us understand a little bit of what it takes to build a career that you can love. Uh, we, are, we, we are building a pipeline of uh, new podcast guests, guys. Um, there's some really cool stuff coming up. I'm not quite sure which one we're going to send out into the world next. Um, but listen, I hope you've been enjoying um, listening to it here or maybe you've caught um, the releases we've been doing in bite-sized chunks over on social media on Instagram and, and LinkedIn. Um, so, you know, guys, look us up there. If you are loving what we're doing or even if you think, you know, uh, it's a nice idea but we could be doing a little bit better or even if you think we're just full of shit and you want to send us a tirade of abuse, no problem. Uh, get in touch with us. I want to hear all kinds of feedback because we're trying to grow and trying to get better. I'm figuring out how to be a podcaster as well as a you know website designer and a LinkedIn creator and a, all of it, guys. We're doing all of it. 
I'm getting some wonderful help from some wonderful people and uh, you know I need to shout out a few names there Um, so a big thank you to Rory a big thank you to Donald a huge thank you to Beth and a a massive thank you to uh, Arthur and uh, other unnamed folks you know who you are you are are being such a massive help the the collective uh, that comes together to make career love go and make it work um, you know uh, they're great people to work with um, and um, having a ball so listen guys if you want to work with us if you want to talk to us if you want to be part of the whole you know um, changing the game mission get in touch with us we would love to hear from you alrighty so that's the end of this podcast listen don't miss out if you want to hear the next one and you want it to arrive straight on your phone then hit the subscribe button and please uh, leave us a friendly little review. Friendly, kind reviews. They're the things that uh, help us grow our audience. So we would love it if you did that. Um, if you're finding us on social, you know, like and share. That's always good. Sharing is, uh, is a little bit more difficult than liking. And so that means, uh, you know, you're breaking through the algorithm stuff for us there. We'd love it if you did that. And of course, comments. Lovely comments. You know, lovely comments are, are really nice. Um, so listen whatever way you can support us uh, we'd be really appreciative of that okay guys enjoy whatever you're doing happy working talk to you soon